For more than 25 years, Atlanta has tuned into my straightforward financial advice. I'm Dr. Gene Hensler, and this is Money Talks, Atlanta's longest-running and most respected money show on radio. My staff and I will give you fact-based, no-nonsense answers to your financial questions. To have your questions answered on the air, send them to me, Dr. Gene at Hensler.com. That's D-R-G-E-N-E at H-E-N-S-S-L-E-R.com. This broadcast of Money Talks originally aired Saturday, November 4th, 2017. The economic health of this nation has been... There are four essential economic freedoms. The excessive decline in the dollar, lack of a better word. Late rally on Wall Street. It's too big to fail. Growing the economy. Growing the economy. Welcome. This is Money Talks. Good morning, good morning. You're listening to Money Talks, Atlanta's longest-running, most-respected money show on radio. Money Talks. I'm Troy Harmon, and I'm here with uh, Nick Antonucci and Shauna. There you all. Good morning. Good morning. How are y'all? Fabulous. Fabulous. Great to be here, filling in for KC, who uh, had a busy day of playing golf today, so unfortunately he couldn't make it. So Nick, Nick life's tough. Got pressed into action because uh, KC is playing golf, and you're not bitter at all, right? <laughs> no. Just for the I'm record, I'm glad to be on here. I like being on here. KC, if you're listening to this, whether it be in podcast form, which I know you like to do, no one is bitter, no one is upset at you at all. Shauna said she hates to play golf, so mm. you know, wasn't a big deal. And, he said, uh, "He said I'm bailing because I have to play golf, but it's supposed to. to rain. Have to, poor and guy. It, it's not raining at all. None, none whatsoever. <laughs> all right, uh, we got a stock market out there, and it is positive this week. We're in the middle of earnings season." Uh, which usually tends to give us a little bit of volatility. But October, we had, speaking of volatility, the lowest volatility month on record. On record, ever. 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 Yeah. So, ever. So is this uh, evidence that the Fed is doing the most awesome job? Well, uh, I, I don't know. I, I think they're going to take credit for that, don't you? <laughs> of course. Or maybe no. Donald Trump will. Oh, I think, I think, think we owe it all to Donald Trump. Oh, right. Of course. Right. Yeah, the market's done nothing but go up since he... Got on the scene. That's true. And uh, now we have the lowest volatility month on record. And the market's up, S&P. Market's up. 17.16%. Year, year to date. date. Yes, absolutely. That's uh, that's pretty awesome. That's it actually uh, better than twice of what I would have expected coming into the year, especially when we had such a bump at the end of last year, 5%. I mean, how uh, many people expected 7th? a 17% increase, I, you know? Uh, well, There's still again. a little bit of time left. <laughs> a little bit of time. Well, before the world Shauna, ends or what? Shauna is the before agent what? of doom on the radio show today. We have it's two falling. months. They're going to lose everything. No, you're going to take in. You're, you're taking place for Bill Laco, who usually gets on and starts yelling, Sal, Sal. <laughs> yeah, no, it is not time to sell. In fact, if you look at a lot of things in the economy, uh, the the fundamentals look pretty solid. Um. Before we get into that, though, let's talk a little about uh, the returns, uh, a little granular look. Uh, Tech market, continues to lead. It does. Uh, market was up 80 basis points, 0.8% uh, this week. Uh, information technology up almost 4%. Real estate. That's just this sector. week, 4%. This week, yeah. Wow. Uh, oh, if, do you want to look at year-to-date? We're up 37.5. 37 37 and and 
Yeah, and I mean, what's driving tech higher this week, that 4%, is if you look at earnings. I mean, they've been knocking the cover off. No, the I ball. know. You would expect to see some weakness after the run that it's had, but, right. you know, who, who have we heard from Facebook, Amazon, um, in terms of the fangs? Uh, yeah. Netflix, did they come? I think they've already reported. I think you're right. I don't think Google has yet. I don't watch the fangs close enough, maybe. Uh, I don't well, watch them I mean, very close at all, yeah, uh, but you really. you hear them you hear them uh, talked about daily. Uh, but in reality, you look at the PE when it comes to information technology. A lot of folks are saying, "Well, the market's up 17 percent this year." I, you know, everybody assumes that the next step is down. I will be the first to tell you when I look at the trailing 12 month price to earnings ratio, the market looks expensive. It's 31 percent premium to its. Uh, to its long-term average. The long-term average PE is about 16.5. Current PE is 21.6, I think it is. Uh, So you do the math real quick, and it it looks expensive. You look at uh, the price to expected earnings, uh, and it doesn't look near as as, uh, expensive. It it is still about a 15% premium. No, we're assuming that we actually hit those expected earnings growth targets to justify that multiple. Absolutely. The expectation has to become reality in order for this not to to come unwound. And and is there a reason that it... No, I mean, the fundamentals of the economy, as you said, look really good for the most part across the board. Right. And and we talk about tech doing so well year to date um, and even this week. If you look at earnings growth in just this quarter, the, the, the highest earnings growth with the exception of energy, which you have to discount because it's coming off horrible comps. And there's managed prices in oil. Exactly. So we, behind, we did behind hit that, 60 bucks a barrel again. Behind that, you week. have – Tech stocks growing earnings this quarter so far, 26.5%. Yeah, that's awesome. Sales are up 10.23%. So where do you, where, where do you invest? You invest where the growth is. Most At least people, that's yeah. what's happening right now. Exactly. So, I mean, to some extent, I, I'm not saying you can fully justify the valuations in tech stocks right now, but if, if you're truly investing for growth, for earnings growth, that's, that's where it's coming from. Yeah, a lot of people here... Technology's up 37% this year. And well, what percentage of that is the fi- S&P 500? Uh, Do you know? I don't, it's, but it's, it's grown it's to be pretty huge. big. I, yeah. say. Some, it, I think it's percent. the largest uh, sector at this point. Okay. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, it's over 20% of the overall market, um, which is pretty rare, especially when you have 11 sectors total, uh, and it's owning, you know, one-fifth. And you fifth, wouldn't say to sell fifth. that. Now, well, here's the thing. As Nick said, Earnings have been growing. Now, what I will tell you is it's uh, we're hitting market highs, it seems like, on a at least weekly basis, mm. sometimes daily basis. Uh, absolutely. It, does it make me a little skittish? Yes. I think in order to mitigate risk, it's a great time, and I've been saying this for a couple of months now. Rebalance your Great time to rebalance, uh, which means that you take a little off of those uh, stocks that you have in technology that have grown so huge. Uh, you invest in, in areas where uh, the market doesn't look so expensive. Consumer staples, which are always kind of a boring scene, uh, but it's great to be boring if you ever have a downturn. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. and you know, just, just to circle back what I said, that's where the growth is, but it doesn't necessarily justify the valuations on a lot of these tech stocks. I mean, you have these fast-growing stocks that don't at all trade on a valuation approach of a PE. You can't just look at the PE and say – Oh, that's expensive. There's a lot right. more that goes into it. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. So uh, what I like to do is look at at uh, current uh, price-to-earnings ratios and forward 
price-to-earnings ratios and look at them against their long-term average, uh, which is kind of what an analyst does, their own long-term average, the market's long-term average, things of that nature. Uh, and you can get a much better idea as to uh, uh, what the true valuation of, of these stocks are. Um, yes, I'm a bit nervous, uh, but I, we will never tell somebody to sell all your assets and no sit on the sideline. Uh, and we have a plan for that, Shauna. Absolutely. The 10-year rule, right? Absolutely. That's where we're looking at uh, liquidity and having 10 years set aside to live off of so that there is a pullback. You can weather through that. Exactly. So you've got money that's set aside, that's uh, that's protected uh, from the the volatility, the ravages, if, in fact, things do start coming apart a little bit, I guess. Uh, so, you know, when... when uh, uh, you look at things long term. We have inflation. Inflation gets into the price of uh, all the goods that we buy. Uh, that becomes earnings for these corporations. Uh, in order to beat inflation and grow your purchasing power, the best place to do that is in the equities market. Uh, we know that timing is very difficult. There's been a lot of folks that have uh, uh, made attempts at timing the market, and quite often, mm. you know, they can do it for a little while. It gives them enough confidence to get crushed. Uh, over a long period of time. So, um, and sure you know, you, anybody that's been at it for very long has been humbled in some way, and it's usually that timing piece. So in order to avoid having to time the market, we just uh, we, we lay aside that 10 years' worth of uh, liquidity. It takes a financial plan to get to that uh, particular piece, and, and then we can uh, – uh, rest assured that we don't have to sell in a downturn. And you mentioned keeping up with inflation uh, in the equities market. It's tough to do in the fixed income market even right now, oh, right as, now. as low as yields are. I mean, if you're looking at 2% inflation and you have the 10-year bond at, what, 2.4, somewhere around there, 2.3-something, yeah. so you're just barely, you're just barely beating inflation at that point. Yeah, 10-year Treasury right now, 2.34%, and inflation's at... One nine, one yeah. seven, somewhere yeah, it depends in that ballpark. You look yeah, at, but. exactly. All right, uh, we got a few things that we can get to real quick. Uh, GDP, yeah, big number. Uh, another solid number. Uh, third, our first reading, our advanced reading, as I call it, of third quarter GDP, uh, showed the economy grew at three percent, which is just below the three point one percent that we saw in the second quarter. But still, considering the the pace of, uh, at which the economy has been growing over the past, I don't know what seven years. Yeah. I mean, you can't be too upset with 3% growth. No, and it was expected to be 2.6. Yeah. Uh, the one downside to it, if you look into the details, consumer spending, which accounts for you know more than two-thirds of, uh, of GDP, consumer right. spending weakened in the quarter. Um, but the consumer, we got uh, University of Michigan Consumer Sentiment Survey out this week. Uh, looked really good, 100.7 to yeah, end October. Yeah, it was the first of two readings that we got out in the week, actually. And you're right, the, the consumer is at, you know, consumer sentiment is at, at, all, at 10 year highs, something like that, across the board. And I think you'll start to see. Do you think that's Trump, too? <laughs> no. I think <laughs> no, but actually, I think he does. I, I, I think consumer, uh, I'm sorry, consumer spending will pick up in the fourth quarter because I think you had a, a lot of that drawn down by the hurricane. Uh, hurricanes, uh, what was it? Irma. Irma. Yeah, Harvey. Harvey. Yeah. And I think a lot of that will get pulled into the fourth quarter, so I think you'll see a rebound there. Yeah. All right, well, uh, let's take a real quick break. We'll come back with a dog of the week, but uh, we got more economic information to talk about, and we can cover some of that when we come right back. Stick around. You're listening to Money Talks. It's time for the... 
Dog of the Week. All right, guys. Uh, Dog of the Week, something that I have not talked much about on the radio show. Um, but Papa John founder came out this week, uh, CEO John Schneider, weighed in on the NFL protests. He says that the NFL protests are cutting into pizza sales. We knew there had to be an economic component to this at some point, right? He says that last year, this time, his growth was 5.5%. Um, this time, it was uh, barely 1%. Is that really because of football, though? Well, if they're not going to the games, aren't they eating more at home? But they're just not watching it? Well, they might not. Uh, you mm. know, pizza and football do tend to go together. I'll, I'll, I'll I think give you a little more of the story. Pizza. I agree. Than pizza. It's wings. <laughs> more wings? Yes. Maybe so. Uh, it's not the first time that this has happened. October 2016, Dunkin' Donuts CEO Nigel Travis came out and said the presidential election was hurting his business along with changing gas prices. Well, I mean, those are a lot more related in terms of, you know, people tightening the purse strings. If you're concerned about the political situation, which eventually leads into the economic situation of the country, I could see that more so than football. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I mean, I guess it's two there. different relationships. But go on. In uh, 2014, Procter & Gamble came out and said No Shave November, or Movember as some know it, was cutting into their sales as well. Selfish. They can't just see the good cause that it supports. It really is awareness for prostate cancer, and it is November, by the way. So uh, I see you grew uh, your mustache out, Troy. Um, I do that. I shave it off every morning. By the time I get to work, it's back. <laughs> I, I can't get rid of this mustache. Oh, I see. Yeah. My children have never seen me without a mustache. I guess it's time. You could have done that for a November. Halloween costume. My wife has never seen me without <laughs> a mustache. You should do it. <laughs> so uh, everybody else is not shaving, and here I am. You prepare one. all year round for That's November. That's right, for November, and I shave in November. Yeah, <laughs> that would be a little backwards. Anyway, uh, here we are still I don't know. talking about I, I the just, NFL I, and I taking like, a knee and all that. I, I still feel like maybe you're just look, – it's kind of like any time apparel companies blame the weather for them missing their numbers. Oh, yeah. I just feel like it's We had easy, a warm winter, an and out. nobody's, nobody's an, buying coats. It's an coats. easy out. Yeah, I, I agree, but you – know, you know, maybe there's an underlying problem within the business. Let's see with with Howard Domino's numbers. Is oh, it a trend across the industry? No, absolutely. If, if that's what you would have to do, yeah, exactly. Make I a mean, determination. Uh, Buffalo Wild Wings is a uh, is a public company. Maybe Sean is right. We could go well, see if Wings. Buffalo are Wild Wings is dealing with their own issues for some time now with the rising costs of. Uh, the NFL wings. taking a knee. Yeah, that has to be. No, they'll prolong <laughs> the games. Haven't you seen the commercials? Yeah. They draw out the oh, games you're right. and make them longer. They, they do. Make people eat more. <laughs> they manipulate right. the game. Yeah, turn the sprinklers on. Isn't that their commercial? Yeah, exactly. Anyway, so uh, there we have it. Uh, Dog of the Week, NFL protests are killing pizza sales. Mm -hmm. We're all skeptics, um, but at the same time, who knows? There, there very well may be something to right. it. Uh, there's so many things that can impact a stock. Uh, the revenue, earnings, uh, the price of the stock for sure. Guidance it's in hard. the future. It's hard to pinpoint exactly what uh, what happens in, in one spot. If it recurs over multiple periods, then yeah, maybe. All right, Nick, let's get back into this uh, economic information. We're yeah, gonna... we left off with a little about the consumer. Consumer Senate right. you mentioned, University of Michigan, uh, October number was uh, highest level since January 2004. Uh, confidence in current economic conditions rose to its highest level since 2000. Yeah. All in all, it looks good. 
Uh, then on Monday, we got the latest personal income data where we saw nominal personal income growth rise to 0.4% in the month of September. Wages and salaries are both up. Receipts on assets rose by half a percent. Proprietor's income uh, was up 0.6%, and then even uh, pace of rental income. So across the board, the different sources of income that this measures all look pretty good. Yeah, so we've got uh, the consumers sounding like they're doing fine, and why in the world does GDP say that consumer spending growth slowed? So it's still, when you hear that, growth slowed. There's still growth. It's just not as high as it was last time. It, that could be the impact of hurricanes. Yeah, absolutely. And they didn't go into a whole lot of detail in the GDP reading, so it's, it's pretty, pretty hard to tell unless you really dig in uh, to the official release. Right. Um, but we saw the savings rate drop 3.1% from 3.6%. So you kind of get some conflicting data there. Right. You would expect that people are spending more if they're not saving it, right? It goes somewhere. It uh, does. You know, their the income increased. And they're not saving. Yeah. So, <laughs> I, you know, it seems to be it's a bit of a conflict money, with GDP. <laughs> they're burying it, it in the backyard. <laughs> Shauna, have you ever <laughs> advised somebody just to burn the extra money that you have? It no. causes too much conflict. Just <laughs> to go ahead and burn it. Why well, burn it when I can do so much more with it? I know. Yeah. Exactly. I don't know. At least spend anyway. it in all right, uh, we uh, got a couple of indicators of housing prices. Yeah, right? we got S&P, uh, Case-Shiller, Home Price Index. Existing home price appreciation picked up again in the three months ending in August. Obviously, there's a lag to this reading. Compared to the three months ending in July, we saw year-over-year growth in the 20-city composite. We've got there's the 20 a huge city, lag in this the 10 city, Yeah, and the national average. 20-city composite was up about 6%. Um, 10-city was up 5.3%, and then you had the national average – um, rise 6.1%. I did see an interesting number um, that Atlanta was, I think, the one of the only cities to have a month-over-month month decline. Atlanta. Atlanta. That's interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I, didn't I give a whole lot of details there, but... Yeah. And then right. also on Tuesday, we got another uh, Consumer Confidence reading. This one, not the University of Michigan, but the Conference Board Consumer Confidence, and it basically reiterated this what we saw. This is kind of the government's official number. Exactly. It basically reiterated what we saw Confidence at its highest level since 2000, present situation and expectations, the two components of the reading, both higher. Yeah, so Uh, this actually lends credence to the University of Michigan's numbers as well, right? It does, yeah. Yeah. Um, MBA mortgage applications is a weekly release that we get. Um, Fell last week, second weekly decline. Still not enough of an impact to say really the trend is changing. Yeah. Um, Composite index overall down by 2.6%. Refis fell by 4.5%. Purchase index fell by 0.8%. 30-year average mortgage fell one basis point to 3.93%. Doesn't Still sound cheap. like yeah, it doesn't sound like that would be the driver of a uh, uh, no and, you know, and a worse applications. And you're getting to a time of year where result where it's going to slow down, you know. Yeah, as we uh, winter the holidays and, and the yeah. winter. Unless it's real warm and nobody sells coats and That's and then we Once have again, low we GDP the in the first quarter and all those bad things. Yeah, yeah we can find an on, excuse. Blame it on something. It wasn't our fault. That's I right. I swear we were managing just like we always do, doing an excellent job, and the economy just fell apart on well, us. That's a problem. It's all because of the NFL. <laughs> right, and pizza. Yes. Uh, ISM Manufacturing Index. Got to look at the manufacturing uh, sector of the economy. Still looks pretty solid according to ISM. Um, it was a little weaker then the consensus expected in October um, fell 2.1 percent, but it, uh, 2.1 points, excuse me, uh, to 58.7. But it's still right at its third quarter average of 58.6. It's actually above that. 
And just to give you a gauge of you know, what does this number mean, anything above 50 is expansionary, right. indicating that you know the manufacturing sector of the economy is still expanding, expanding at a, at a fairly fairly solid pace. Right. Yeah, just um, a, a bit of a slowing. Right. The big report yesterday, <laughs> big report, FOMC monetary policy. They, they, nothing changed. They're not going to raise rates in November. No. Okay. Uh, nothing changed. However, they, it does seem consistent though with their with their wording that. December seems pretty yeah. certain that that's going to happen. 85% is what the market is telling us, 85% possibility of a rate increase in December um, be uh, in the range between one and a quarter to one and a half percent at that right. point. Um, so the, markets, the market's basically got it cooked into the options at this point. But on, on the topic of Fed talk, today we got the announcement that the new Fed chair will be Jerome Powell. Yeah. He's been uh, on the Board of Governors since 2012. This is Donald Trump's pick. Um, he's a Republican. He is. Not surprising. He Political is. So a little bit. It's expected he's going to be in favor of further deregulate. Well, further deregulation yeah, of uh, financial. Moderate, I think they say. You financial know, not, not industry. Not a huge. Yeah, not trying to dismantle anything right. crazy. Um, but also expected to kind of pick up where Janet Yellen left off, a, a slow unwinding of the balance sheet. Right. Um, and rate hikes in, in the you know in the same gradual increments that we've been seeing. Yeah, and uh, we really didn't get much talk as to what happened in October, although it was supposed to kick off, right? Yeah, yeah I guess so, you're right. There, so there the unwind of now in two, I, I think in two weeks we'll get the official minutes. Yeah, so maybe I, we'll get more yeah, details I, I as would to imagine we the get conversations something. going on behind strategy to do so. Um but we'll have to wait a couple of weeks to see that. Yeah, so, uh, you know, all things considered, we're expecting an interest rate increase, um, which uh, – and we have inflation that's still below the 2% target, mm -hmm. uh, but it hasn't made them blink yet. Um, Bank of England, speaking of, of you know, un unwinding of quantitative easing, right. Bank yeah, the England. Bank of England today came out and raised, what, 25 basis points? Yeah, first That's the first in, hike in 10 years? Yeah, it's quite a long time. For yeah, so you're UK. starting to see central banks kind of come together in the tightening. You're not seeing uh, – Europe, the European yeah. Central Bank is not yeah, doing theirs. Yeah, still yet. hasn't done that yet. And, right. and from their talk, it's still a good ways off, so I don't expect to see that in the near term. And even Bank of England said maybe two more rate hikes through 2020. So those are going to be a lot – more stretched out than we're having here, still yeah. gradual, 25 basis points. And they're but. still not rolling off anything from the quantitative easing that the European Central Bank was has been doing for a long time. That is so correct. they're still they're kind of where we were. Ahead, really. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they're not growing that, but uh, but they're, they're, they're not letting exactly. Yeah, they're reinvesting anything that matures and uh, uh, allowing it, allowing their balance sheet to stay, uh, uh, I guess bloated like ours has been for a while right all right let's take another quick break and we'll be right back you're listening to money talks don't touch that dial we're back you're listening to money talks i'm troy Harmon here with Shauna Theriault and Nick Antonucci. And uh, we got a lot of questions. Uh, if you guys have questions, uh, you can always get them to us, and we'd love to answer them on the, on the air. Uh, you can call our question hotline at 1-855-429-9166, uh, where you can leave your 
question on our recording. We'll play it and then answer it right behind that. Uh, or you can email it to drgene at hensler.com. That's H-E-N-S-S-L-E-R.com. Uh, you can also call and get a real person on the phone, 770-429-9166. Uh, you can also go to our website and maybe answer your own question. Uh, and that, again, is hensler.com. You can... Also reach out to us through various social media sources. Um, today, Shauna, we've got a uh, situation we wanted to talk about um, wherein uh, a lady is trying to help uh, get her mom situated after a heart attack, right? Absolutely. And just looking at incapacity or health care. So a few themes come up. You know, obviously, you want to have your documents in order before something like that happens. If somebody gets sick and they can't help themselves and things are not in order, these are part of your estate planning documents, right. the majority of them. You really want to have it in order so you can step in and help, um, whether it be a parent or a spouse um, you know, or even a friend, they should have their documents in order, healthcare power of attorney, healthcare directive, medical directive. Um, so this is, you know, if something were to happen to you, you can make, it names a person to make decisions on your behalf for your health. Right. Um, but also in that document, you typically put, you know, if you want to be resuscitated, not resuscitated, what type of medical you want. Um, the other thing to think about too, is a financial power of attorney. So, you know, a financial power of attorney names someone who can act on your behalf if you can't, because just because you're sick and in the hospital or hurting, you still have to pay bills. You still have right. to do all of those things. And so it's going to be very difficult for someone to step in, um, if at all, if you don't have somebody named. Right. Now, Sean, a lot of times you associate these moves with being much older, you know, older later in life. But what is the appropriate time to actually start, uh, you know, addressing these issues? Well, that's a great question. I mean, I generally have clients when they start having kids or get married, they have estate planning documents. They're part of the preparation of them. It's not just a will. Go ahead and get them set in place. Sure. Um, over time, they get updated. They either get outdated. You know, there's a HIPAA law that needs to go in there, you know, waiver that needs to go in there, or et cetera, or something changes in the law, and then you can update your documents. Definitely you know, update your documents when you have children so that you can name if something happens to both of you, who's going to take care of the kids and how yep. do you want it handled? Um, that also goes into place. You know, that's typically when you need term life insurance is when you're a young couple, just got married, you want to help your spouse or you have young children. Um, you would want those documents all in place at that time. I mean, it unfortunately does happen. Somebody does get hit by a car or the young heart attack or, you know, right. there really is no age. I, you know, I wouldn't do it on a child, obviously, but in a young, just married couple, I would definitely put these documents in place to help the spouse. Right. So if you're listening to us and you're in good health and you don't have these, it's probably a great time now Absolutely. to uh, reach out. And again, you can contact us, uh, talk to Shauna, you can talk to Whomever, uh, you, you ask our um, receptionist, and they will get you exactly where you need to go. But you can call us, 770-429-9166, to get that done. So, um, uh, Shauna, it's, uh, it's always surprising to me. I was in a, a meeting with a client uh, a couple of weeks ago. Mm -hmm. They were 88 years old, and the first question out of our mouths was, so, you know, your will and all your estate plans are in shape and... Uh, the answer was, well, I don't have a will. 
No, I've uh, seen several situations where it's like, well, the you know, my spouse knows what I want. Well, that doesn't the, the, <laughs> that the law doesn't, doesn't know that your You're spouse really knows what you want. You're really creating something difficult right. for even your spouse to handle sure. if something happens to you and if something happens to both of you for your heirs. Um, so you know, yeah, if you, if having you, everything in writing and documented properly. And not just writing it out on paper. It has to recorded. be legal documents. Exactly. Yes. It's got to be recorded. Um, it's very important just to help if something happens to you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we got another question here that's uh, from our good friend Bill Murray. Bill has uh, asked us, is this a good time to overweight financials? Uh, in my Vanguard IRA, I'm considering, considering selling some S&P 500 index in order to buy a Vanguard financials index. Uh, in the past year, it's up 35%. Am I too late? Uh, will this sector outperform the S&P 500 over the next three to five years? Please enlighten me. Um, I wish I knew the answer to that one because... Uh, um, Make our job yeah, a little easier. Sure. Well, we would all just overweight. Um, but the reality is, yes, it's up 35%. Some of that is because of, uh, because of interest rate movements, um, but really most of it was back last November in uh, 2016. Uh, the the uh, presidential election uh, of Donald Trump on the platform that he would lower regulation actually gave the, the uh, financials a huge boost. I think the thing you have to be worried of here is how much of that is baked into the price at this point. Because yeah, you and, saw financials move a lot on that, on, on that noise, but nothing is materialized yet. Correct. Now, as we mentioned, we have a new Fed chair who's a little more in favor than Janet Yellen. Of, sure. So of, some of the things can be done... Less than regulation. Uh, right. Uh, well, the, the regulation was created by uh, politicians and handed to the bureaucracy, the, right. the Treasury Department and the Fed, uh, to handle the, the details of it. So, you know, you've got somebody now in place or that will soon be in place. What is that, March? I think yeah. it is. Uh, where, you know, you've got a, a favorable opinion now. Uh, but you're exactly right, Nick. Nothing's happened. The price moved, and, and there really wasn't any action. When I look at interest rates uh, from the very first time that we had the Fed raise, which was uh, December 16, 2015, was our first tick up in uh, the overnight lending rate. Um, from that point, we've actually had a flattening of the yield curve. Right. And, and banks, in order to become – this is not all financials. Right, but banks. Banks, a large portion of that sector – Rely on that net interest margin. Yeah, they borrow money short term and, and lend. they lend it. Over yeah, so a you want to see mortgage. a steepening of the yield curve in order for them to be more profitable. Exactly. Right? And as you said, that hasn't happened yet. No. Yet I still feel like financials are priced as if, or they've they've risen as if that is happening, or the expect, expectation that it will happen. But we just haven't seen the signs of that yet. And I understand we had the unwinding of the balance sheet, which in theory should have an effect. Right. In right. You, you, you're, you're not buying the long end anymore with all those proceeds that are bonds maturing. You're not going yeah. out and reinvesting those and driving prices higher yields down. So, But doesn't this go back to what you said, a question or a response where you said this is a good time to rebalance? So, you know, the financials right. are up huge. And so if you're selling something where the financials are up and you're buying into the financials, you're not really rebalancing there. Right. A yeah, couple of things that I'd like to throw in here. Uh, when I look at the valuation in financials, as the, the sector as a whole doesn't look real expensive. It, it looked really cheap before the big boost that it had a year ago, but it, uh, you know, at this point, it's only about at a one percent premium to its long-term price-to-earnings ratio. 
Um, but the thing, you know, as we're talking uh, that I would like to point out is over the last year, we've had about a 25 basis point flattening of the yield curve, and yet we've got 35 percent gain mm-hmm. in these financials. I really do believe, as Nick said, that uh, a lot of this is already baked into the price. Uh, if we get more uh, financial regulation, it's it's likely to have a change. Now, what I would say, uh, when I look at the Vanguard Financials Index, ticker VFAIX, that uh, that I was asked, uh, that, that Bill Murray asked about, um, I see that uh, the biggest position in there is J.P. Morgan, a bank, and it's over 8%, almost 9% of the total. Uh, so when you've got something that's so heavily dependent on, on banking, and I think BB&T is like the second largest holding there, um, I, I believe that uh, you're not as likely to get the big boost. Now, I could probably get more behind uh, a situation in a rising interest rate market where if you wanted to buy an exchange-traded fund for insurance companies, especially if there were one for life insurance, uh, I believe that would be a better play in financials than something so heavily relying on the banks. Yeah. And if I were going to do that, I mean, there's a couple out there. iShares Insurance ETF is a ticker symbol IAK uh, or the SPDR Insurance uh, Sector ETF uh, KIE. Either one of those would probably get you what you want. Still not perfect because you're going to get property and casualty insurance as well. Um, and, and, and be mindful of how much exposure you're getting. You know, you're talking about trimming your kind of broader market exposure, it looks like here, um, in favor of, of financials. Just right. don't mm-hmm. go selling 10% and pile that all in financials and give yourself, you know, a, a huge overweight position in financials. Right, yeah. Financials aren't a huge portion of the S&P 500 right. these days, uh, which is a bit of a change. Uh, you know, 2007 and eight or 2006 and seven by eight in 2008, they had already gotten cut significantly. But I, I want to uh, point out one other thing. You know, sure. we talk about earnings and, and future expectations for stocks. I mean, that's how how you price them after all, right? Financials have only grown earnings by like two percent. Yeah. In this quarter. Right. So, actually, no, I lied to you. Financials earnings have fallen two percent. Yeah. And the price is up 35. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, again, you look at uh, look at the PE, and basically what happened is the price just normalized back in November 2016. Not a huge fan of the financials, especially since they hold pretty much everything that we're encouraging you to hold: fixed income and other nah. stocks. Right. All right, we're taking a break. We'll be right back. Stick around. When you're pregnant, you start reading about the cost of having a baby. When you start reading about the cost of having a baby, you learn about the cost of sending that baby to college and immediately start saving all your money in a 529 plan. When you save all your money in a 529 plan, you save no money in your 401k, thinking your son will get a business degree from Harvard and take care of you in retirement. When you think your son will take care of you in retirement, he changes majors and gets a degree in jazz studies. When he gets a degree in jazz studies, he moves back home with you and you have to support him. When you have to support him, you don't get to retire. Don't be forced to work through retirement to support your jazz-loving adult son. Stop investing without a plan and upgrade to Money Talks. This is Money Talks. All right, we're back. 
Troy Harmon, Nick Antonucci, Shauna Theriault. And you, and you wonder why millennials are having less kids. That's I, the most frightening intro I've ever heard to any radio show. Well, I was going to ask how your dad's basement was, but... <laughs> no, I don't have children. Is, is it warm so in the I winter? Live are you okay? That's where I would have to live if I, if I had a child right now. Uh, somebody said pregnant when that started, right? And I see Nick's face just but struck I with fear. color? Yes. <laughs> all right. Uh, all kidding aside... Nick is a upright pillar of the community, does not live in his father's basement. Just for the record. trying to get me a date here. No, I just <laughs> don't want don't to ruin anything for you, buddy. Uh, all right, so we got a question here from Melinda. And, again, if you have questions, you can get them to us, 770-429-9166. Talk to a real human. Uh, our question hotline, 1-855-429-9166. Uh, email address, drgene at hensler.com. So send us all you got, and we'll be happy to answer them for you. Uh, Linda from Atlanta, quick and easy question. Can I roll a retirement plan distribution into an IRA? Shauna, what you got on that? The quick answer is yes. Absolutely. All right, perfect. On to the next. And <laughs> but the, the way that Linda's question is, it's a plan distribution. So generally you want to do a direct rollover from the 401K. Right. You don't take control of right. it ever. Right. It, allevi- it alleviates any question as to taxability, Taxation. right? Well, in a lot of plans, they require a 20% withholding. Okay, so they would force the withholding. They would withhold 20%. You'd roll the rest of the 80%. You'd get a refund, but it's still considered a taxable distribution, and there's no point of it unless you wanted the money. Wait, sure. the withholding of the 20%, when do you receive that 20%? When you file your tax return, you'd get a refund, oh, okay. but it's still taxable you. to you, so that income would be yeah. taxable yeah. to you. So you just, you know, if you would have done a direct rollover, you could have rolled the whole thing over. Yeah, no tax consequences exactly. whatsoever. Right. Mm-hmm. But you'd have to do that within 60 days. If you take distribution of the money, then you have to do it within 60 days. Sure. Right. So usually you would go out and you would open the IRA, or if you have an IRA that's open, you would talk to the, the custodian that holds that. Correct. And you would ask them to, behind the scenes, get the distribution sent directly Generally, to Generally, yes. Or you get the paperwork from your employer and you would fill out that you want it sent to X custodian in this account number. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. So it's uh, something that you... You can get done behind the scenes so that you don't have to deal with Correct. the tax. Yeah, Correct. Good, good answer. There There's we lots go. Lots of things to think about with yeah. that. All right. Uh, Sam from Marietta says, uh, what is a bond ladder? I've never heard this term before. I've always heard you say buy a bond that matures when you need the money. How is this different? Well, basically not it's different. Not. It's, it's the same <laughs> That's thing. Exactly yeah, now is. sometimes you can see folks that uh, just uh, manage fixed income uh, investments that uh, may not do a financial plan. So in just the pure sense of the word, a bond ladder or the term, uh, a bond ladder would be bonds purchased at varying maturities over sure. a period of time. Uh, and, and it can vary from, you know, where you have bonds equally dispersed uh, for the asset level over time. Or to match anticipated spending needs, which is the right. way that we do it, as Sean exactly. talked about, the 10-year rule. And and meeting your liquidity needs, any money that you're going to need in the next 10 years, you know, we try and ladder you out a bond portfolio that matches each year's anticipated spending needs. Absolutely. Nick, you talked earlier about the fact that it's very hard to beat inflation with bonds. So there's a few things that we've been doing a little bit different lately uh, that will kind of boost the yield. Um, anytime you do that, you got to be careful not to take 
significant risk. risk, yeah. But uh, uh, we we do have uh, some some uh, bonds that we've purchased, actually funds that that have a maturing date uh, that give uh, an investor a better yield. Um, we try to keep that to a small percentage of the overall bonds that are held. And as you mentioned, you know, if you're getting more yield, you should understand that you're not getting that for free. You're taking on more risk. Sure. Yeah. But if you're buying a diversified portfolio of bonds, the likelihood that everything in there or even a significant portion of the holdings in there all default, default is very, very low. Right. Uh, and the is... way that we do it in a lot of cases, we buy these ETF products that have a targeted maturity. So the majority of your portfolio is matching when you need that money. Right. So you have a, a, a better idea of the cash flow that you will receive in that time of need. Yeah, it's uh, really interesting uh, the way we came across this. We, we you know, when new products are introduced into the uh, the market, we would never jump on one immediately. But uh, Dr. Gene actually did his uh, doctoral work on uh, a, a similar subject, at least. And um, he came to the conclusion that, uh, and these were all municipal bonds that he was looking at, that uh, the the higher yield actually was sufficient. It was paying you sufficient to uh, entice uh, investment in uh, in those uh, lower rated mun uh, municipal bonds in order to uh, um, get you that higher yield. But again, only if you bought across the board quite a few. You had to, to diversify an issuer and maturity date and make sure that you weren't buying into the specifics of one company uh, giving you a specific uh, uh, risk that was significantly higher than the overall market. So uh, that was one of the reasons that when we checked those out that we uh, we made that decision to uh, to get in there. And again, you know, we do several things to uh, mitigate the risk that, uh, that a client would be taking on. Um, and then, you know, some of uh, the longer-term money we've actually considered for uh, some clients using an income portfolio. Shawna, you Actually, you're a big fan of that particular portfolio, right? I absolutely am. Yeah, absolutely so it's uh, it's focused. It's a large-cap portfolio, bigger companies, well-established, pay a good dividend. That's well-covered. Yes, absolutely, in all cases, well-covered. Uh, but we, we do uh, look at a couple of different things within that portfolio, right, Nick? Yeah, so we kind of take a, a, a two-pronged approach to it. We look for uh, stocks that are high-yielding, you know, paying above average dividend yield to get you that income. But we also look um, at those stocks that have a projected dividend growth rate that is above average. So it may not be paying a huge yield right now, but the expectation is that three, five, ten years from now, that right. dividend is going to continue to grow. They're, they're gener generating enough cash flow to be able to grow that dividend at a sustained pace. So, you know, five years out from now, you might have only been getting a dollar off that stock at the time, and now you're maybe getting, you know, three, three dollars off. Sure, uh, and, and if you compare the yield to your cost and exactly. not so much the current market price, uh, you know, current market prices change as uh, time goes by, and the trend is always positive uh, uh, over a long period of time. So, you know, you look at the yields relative to the cost in some of those portfolios, they're they're pretty impressive, right, Nick? Yeah, they are. Yeah, so uh, instead of the 2 or 3% that you can see in the market today, you might have 5 or 6, maybe even larger uh, for stocks that you bought way back when. McDonald's has been awesome in that portfolio as as it pays a, a significant dividend, right? Yeah, we've got a, a number of companies in there that have paid and raised their dividends for, you know, 40-plus years. Yeah. I think McDonald's being one of them. Yeah. I think 41 years. Yeah. Wow. 
Pretty impressive. All right, uh, let's move on. We got a question. Duncan from Stockbridge says, I'm interested in Zag Incorporated. Uh, with so many electronic products on the market, it seems like the accessories market is a good place to be. What do you think of this company? I, we should lay out, uh, first of all, Zag's symbol is Z-A-G-G, uh, and it does make uh, accessories for phones, basically the iPhone and the Samsung uh, branded phones, as well as, uh, I guess, the, the new Pixel 2. I'm sure, which I'm is, sure uh, they kind of yeah. go across the board. Right. So these are uh, covers, the, the screen covers and, and uh, uh, cases and that sort of thing. I think a lot of the expectation, and, and you can speak to the SOC more so than I can, but quickly I just want to say that the Apple's new wireless charging technology is powered by Mophie, which is owned by Zag. Yeah. So that's one of the big growth opportunities, I think, for Zag at this time. It's one of those that's uh, kind of tough to call at the moment. It's The price is up 203% in the past year, up 120% just since July. It was up 22% this week. It just seems like such a commoditized product for the most part. It really does. Accessories for electronics. Yeah. Yeah, I, it's it's more risk than I would want to take on. Um, you know, I, if you just wanted some hot, interesting thing at the very uh, heart of iPhones, and maybe it's you, but I would not recommend it. All right, well that wraps us up. Sean, a market up or down? Up. Up. How about that, Nick? Up. You know me always. Market up. It's been a slice of heaven. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week. Money talks out. All material presented is compiled from sources believed to be reliable and current, but accuracy cannot be guaranteed. The contents are intended for general information purposes only. Information provided should not be the sole basis in making any decisions and is not intended to replace the advice of a qualified professional, such as a tax consultant, insurance advisor, or attorney. Although this material is designed to provide accurate and authoritative information with respect to the subject matter, it may not apply in all situations. This is not to be construed as an offer to buy or sell any financial instruments. It is not our intention to state, indicate, or imply in any manner that current or past results are indicative of future profitability or expectations. Portfolio holdings discussed are subject to change. There is no guarantee that in the future these securities will be held in Hensler accounts. As with all investments, there are associated inherent risks. Please obtain and review all financial material carefully before investing. Hensler is not licensed to offer or sell insurance products. This overview is not to be construed as an offer to purchase any insurance products.